You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Hello, welcome to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. As you all know, this is your host, Isaac Watson, and I'm always so very grateful uh, for those of you who tune in week after week after week, listening to the content that's being presented. It does my heart so well to know that I'm able to to, to bless so many of you, to give perspective um, on different topics to so many of you. And hopefully today's topic can be one that can provide the same level of insight or something that can give you uh, something to think about. But before I get into that, I actually want to read one of the reviews uh, from one of our listeners and um, this one is from Recruiter60606. And um, this person said, the teaching gift is my favorite ministry gift. It says, I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole listening to Isaac these last few days. His teaching on women in leadership is sound. His teaching on honor is provocative. His teaching on tragedy and God's position is timely. 2020 has been a tragic year. We must continue to ground ourselves in the word and God is using Isaac to help us. Can't wait to listen to the coming episodes. That means so much to me to know that, um, you know, this is giving you uh, different sides, different perspectives to look at. And hopefully you continue to listen in and I can continue to add a perspective. Listen, um, before I move forward, I want you, if you can, if you're in a position to, unless you're driving or something like that, stop doing whatever you're doing at this time. And I would like you to take a moment, pause this episode if you have to right now, and I'd like you to, to write a review and also rate Church Talk with Isaac. When you do that, you actually make this podcast more, um, more visible um, to those who are looking for more Christian uh, podcast channels such as this one. Um, the rating means a lot. So if you can, do that. However, this uh, podcast, this platform has been a blessing to you. Whatever you've gained from it, whatever you've grasped from it, whatever you've been challenged by it, um, just take a moment now and write a review. I am so very thankful for that. And also, I want you all to do something new that I, I, I probably have not asked you to before. Um, if you can, on social media, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on uh, Instagram, whether it's on Facebook, um, write some quotables. Uh, quote something that I've said Tag me in it on my uh, Facebook page, which is my ministry page, Isaac Watson. It's my public figure page. And uh, as I see it, I'll also try to reshare it uh, or retweet it uh, as well. On Twitter, you can find me at Isaac M. Watson. And on Instagram, you can find me at Isaac M. Watson. I would love to um, to hear what, uh, uh, what stood out to you. I would love to retweet it. I would love to reshare it. Um, I, would, I, would, I would love that. So go ahead and do that. Um, today, uh, we have a special guest here today, and we're going to cover a topic that I believe is can be a bit controversial, um, but at the same time is one of those topics that can become an elephant in the church. And uh, we want to kind of deal with it. We want to kind of talk on it. We want to share on it in transparency. Um, today, I have Joshua Fluellen uh, with me, who is um, a son. He's he's my spiritual son. Uh, we've been walking together for over a decade now. And um, and today's story, I believe you all are going to get uh, 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 something good out of it. Josh 
um, serves within our ministry, within our church and counter worship center. Uh, he's he is the director over our uh, intercessors, uh, our intercessory team, our prayer team. He's been he's been with us from the beginning. And again, like I said, we've been walking together for over a decade. So we have a bit of history um, together, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, we've been sticking it out. Uh, walking together doesn't mean we've always agreed doesn't mean we've always seen eye to eye but covenant is so much stronger than agreeability so um, I believe that the power covenant has caused our relationship to grow and to to become what it is and I look forward to the future um, with him welcome Josh how do you feel today I'm doing good thank you for having me on Um, I'm excited very very excited about today's episode (laughs) That's good to hear. Um, I'm glad to have you on. I've been looking for an opportunity to get you on, and this probably won't be your last time back. I've interviewed a few people before in previous episodes. I know my wife has been on here with me. I've had uh, a, a couple of a friend of mine uh, that came on with me. We talked about friendship. Um, today, we want to deal with something that is... Uh, like I said, it can be taboo. It can be an elephant within the church. Um, and we want to talk about today homosexuality and the church, homosexuality and the church. Ooh, man, we are in for it um, today. So um, the reason why I wanted to uh, bring a Josh in uh, on this topic Um, I've seen Josh grow. I've seen him develop. I've walked with him through seasons in his life. And uh, I've seen him walk uh, from a place of immaturity into now a place of maturity. He's grown into a strong uh, prophetic voice, um, a reliable source uh, of maturity. And now he's helping other people walk through uh, difficult seasons and out of immaturity, out of bondage and, and into places of wholeness. And Josh actually has a story, as we all do. So before, uh, uh, actually not even before, let's just kind of go into that. Josh, if you could just take a, a few minutes, a uh, couple minutes, just kind of share a bit of your story and uh, uh, let our audience know a little bit about you. All right. So, um, as he said, um, I've been through um, quite a few different seasons of my life. And I think um, the beginning part of it, um, literally, you know, just a young guy raised um, in Chicago, Illinois, um, actually in one of the roughest areas of Inglewood, of, of Chicago, which is called Inglewood. And so uh, during my time living in Inglewood, um, there was a very long period of time from the ages of five all the way up to the age of about 11 or 12 um, that I was actually molested by different family members. And so having this happen to me um, as I was growing up, you know, kind of trying to figure life out, um, I didn't really grow up with my mother. I didn't really grow up with my father. And so my grandmother raised me. And so having her raise me, um, you know, this is a woman Uh, who is working uh, over 12 hours a day working at the post office wasn't really home much so um, we're at home pretty much raising ourselves and though we had you know uncles and aunts who were around um, a lot of my family members actually were into drugs at the time and so with that the kids pretty much raised themselves and so growing up trying to figure out um, life trying to figure out how to be a man you know who I am and all these different things um, a lot of my story kind of started intertwining itself with identity issues 
And my identity issues stem from that place of being molested. I was molested by males and females. And so coming to a place where trying to understand if I liked females or if I liked males, um, once I got in about probably eighth grade going into my high school years, I started living a very strong down low life as a bisexual man. And so in that, I, I trying to, like I said, figure out what I liked, what I didn't like, um, brought me into a place of extreme bondage. Now, the kicker about all of this is I was was born and raised in the church. Um, I've gone to some of the biggest ministries you probably could think of. Um, and as I got older, started serving in ministry. And I was serving in ministry, still bound. Um, serving in ministry, you know, prophesying, singing, all this stuff, still bound um, in my flesh, still bound in my desires. And so now coming to a place where um, God has allowed me to walk out this process and walk into a level of freedom. Um, and like Isaac said, helping others now uh, come to a place where they can get free good 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 um now just just for the sake of clarity when you talk about being in church and you talk about serving in church and you you, you know um and you say you are doing all of those things still being bound what exactly do you mean by that when you say that you're you you know you're you're, you're still bound what does that look like so when I say bound, um, I literally mean still um, being actively engaged in a part of sin. Um, so, you know, fornication, drinking, smoking, all these different things that I was a part of, but yet I was still coming to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, singing on the mic, uh, prophesying on the mic, praying for people um, during altar calls, doing all this stuff, but I was still actively engaged in sin. Listen, hey man, that's, that's kind of actually, uh, that's a powerful um, picture because really what it demonstrates is that you can be in church, you can be active in ministry, people can feel something when you're ministering. You can lay hands on them, they can fall out, you can drive out devils from them, um, you can sing, you can prophesy, and, and it be filled with God's presence, and you still have internal issues, internal dysfunctions, internal wars going on where uh, even even uh, as this as this this broadcast speaks of, even in your own sexuality. So um, how does that kind of how, how did that kind of shape your pers- like your 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 perspective of the church, knowing that, hey, I can still prophesy and be accurate and people still receive healing and breakthrough and struggle in. Uh, certain areas of my life, certain areas of that, that I may say that I may be bound in, whether it's sexuality, whether it's uh, levels of addiction or whatever the case may be. How did that play a role in how you saw the church and how you interacted with the church? Or did it affect your worldview of the church at all? It absolutely did, because I felt like I was fitting into what what was already going on. Um, a lot of times in wow. in churches, um, there are people who are struggling and bound, but yet we still almost in the sense just keep the show going. And so because I was doing all of this stuff and nobody really ever confronted it, nobody ever said anything. I was never pulled to the side like, are you doing this? You got this going on? What's going on with you? Literally, um, honestly, in the nine years that I served at a ministry, um, no one ever really pulled me to the side besides you and said, I see this going on with you. We need to deal with this. So I think 
culturally, um, a lot of times in the church, we just get so used to sweeping stuff under the rug. And I'm going to just be specific. I believe a lot of times in the African-American church, this is what happens because this is the culture that we grow up in. A lot of times stuff happens at grandma house, stuff happens at auntie, uncle house. And we say, you don't tell nobody what go on outside of this house. And so we grew up with this mentality that no matter what is happening, we're going to act like we are together. We're going to act like everything is together and keep this show going. That's 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 very powerful because it's it's the whole what happens in this house stays in this house dynamic. And we see it, you know, as I said, we see the same thing played out in the church. What happens in this church stays in this church as long as things are seemingly going well, um, as long as the money is seemingly coming in, as long as people are seemingly or continually joining the church. Why, you know, why fix something that's not broken? Um, but the fact of the matter is that. I don't believe and I know you don't believe, Josh, that that is an accurate picture of how the church should operate um, where we are building, let's say, empires or we're building organizations off of the backs of broken men and women without concern of the souls, the health, the wholeness, the well-being of these men and women. And uh, really, and and I agree, it, it happens a lot in many African-American churches. Um, but I want to I want to say this. We have to get to a point as a church where we start being concerned again about the well-being of the people that we are connected to, that we are responsible for. Um, so with that being said, how much did accountability play in your life? What did that look like to say that, hey, I'm accountable to someone? Because I've seen it where a lot of people say that they're accountable, um, but they really not. And, and they're still, you know, they don't really, you know, they don't really disclose what's going on with them to the people that they say they're accountable to. I hear people say, hey, this is my spiritual father. This is my spiritual mother. This is my mentor. Um, but really, they don't even really know who you are and you don't even really know who they are. You just might have claimed them. Um, so is that really valid? Um, how does accountability play a role in your life? How did it play a role in your life? And, and exactly what did it look like? Um, accountability was the thing I think that saved my life, um, that saved me from destruction, honestly. Um, and so when we talk about accountability, accountability is not a weekly check-in. Accountability is not a monthly check-in, um, which most people get. Um, accountability to me looks like life on life. And so it looks like being able to have access to you, being able to talk to you, call you when things are going on. And then even if things aren't going on, how are, is that relationship built um, besides if, if I'm only coming to you with problems? And so being able to walk life on life, being able to come to, you know, it would be times we would come to your house and we would just sit and talk, play games, uh, just just do things, different things, go, go out bowling, eating, all these different things that allowed us to share the same space, but also be able to meet me, see you in, in, in a different light versus, oh, this is just a leader in my church, but being able to go from mentor and then allowing that journey, that walk to develop into something where now I'm, I'm seeing you more, your life, your message has begun to form um, something new in me, allow me to push past those limitations that I had to be able to come into the knowledge of who I am in Christ and come into the knowledge of who I am as far as destiny and purpose is concerned. And so when it comes to accountability, I think a lot of times we just settle for uh, the, the mediocre, we settle for bare minimum, when in reality, accountability literally should look like life on life. I should be able to uh, talk to you. I should be able to, and, and even from the mentor side, be able to call you out on your stuff. Um, 
even if you get mad, you get angry, um, we, we work it out, we go through it. Um, and I'm gonna be honest with y'all, there were many seasons where I was literally angry with Isaac because of certain things that was going on. I just thought he was wrong. Um, I thought all these different things, but understanding that he wasn't looking for control in my life. He wasn't looking to control me. He wasn't looking to make me another copy of him, but he was looking to offer me wisdom. He was looking to offer me guidance to help me really see that what I was doing was wrong and what I was doing um, wasn't going to benefit anyone um, other than the devil, which would, you know, ultimately lead to my destruction. And so I think accountability is the thing that really, really saved my life. I think that's really good. That's really good. Um, and I'm and I'm glad you said that because you can walk with someone and, um, you know, unity is not necessarily uniformity. Um, walking in covenant doesn't necessarily mean that you have to agree on every point, on every front. Even when you're dealing with leadership, leading someone doesn't mean that they have to conform into your image, per se. Um, Paul told uh, those who he led, follow me as I follow Christ. So um, there's, a, there's a sense of responsibility on the spiritual leader's perspective to help to shape and to mold the one that they're leading, not into their own personal image, but into the image of Christ that they become um, 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 the most authentic um, um, form of who God has called them to be um, that they can be. So I, I think that's very powerful. When we're dealing specifically with homosexuality. Now, I know that there may be people who may be listening to this this podcast episode and, and uh, some of you may not even necessarily be in church. So when you hear um, homosexuality spoken of from a church perspective, automatically some of you may say, hey, they're being judgmental. Hey, they um, how are they calling um, this a spirit or um, a demon or whatever the case may be? I was born this way. I couldn't control. Uh, I can't control who I have affection for, so forth and so on. Listen, y'all, um, I want to say to that that you have to kind of just kind of listen through this because quite honestly um, what we're talking about today I believe that if you are someone who is either within the church or even you don't have to be in the church but you're someone who desire to live a different lifestyle or live a different way than how you're living if you listen to some of these keys and listen to this dialogue I guarantee you that there'll be some areas where you may feel like you're not seeing levels of breakthrough that you will begin to experience that breakthrough I said all that to say that one of the things that I know about um, the homosexual community the LGBT community um, is that they have a very strong community base. Um, they support one another very, very strongly. They stand with one another very, very strongly. They don't allow um, uh, other people who are part of that community to be bullied, to be, um, to be talked down on. They will literally defend um, 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 other people, even if it has nothing to do with them themselves. That is a community that sticks by what they believe. And one thing that I know is, as Josh was speaking about accountability, I believe that in order to successfully walk out of that type of lifestyle, just like it was community that strengthened that lifestyle, is going to take community to help bring you out of that lifestyle. And it is possible. The Bible talks about how I know some people say well I was born this way but the Bible says that we were all born into sin we were all shaped by iniquity which means that all of us have stuff that we were born with and all of us have stuff that we were born as
has. But just because you were born a particular way, it does not mean that the way that you were born is the will of God. And that's the thing we have to understand. Um, Jesus did not come just to bring you, you into a relationship with him that required nothing from you. Can I say that again, y'all? Jesus didn't come so that you can develop a relationship with him that required nothing of you. As much as we talk about that and we know that his love is freely given, anyone who truly encounters the love of God, anyone who truly encounters the love of Jesus, it will provoke something in you to want to become a better version or uh, um, um, to want to become the most authentic form of who you are, the most authentic person that God has called you to be. And that is going to bring you into a place where you are provoked to change you are provoked to conform um, um, or to be transformed into what he has said about you because ultimately until you come into relationship with him what you are living is a lie I believe that although you were born one way the power of the gospel the power of the cross, the power of Jesus, the power of being reconciled unto him. It, 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 it also is the power to change you, the power to transform you, the power to make you something that you were not born as. So I, I'm not one of those who say, well, you can't be born that way. Well, you can be born. You know, I mean, we all of us are dealt cards and we didn't determine the cards that were dealt. Some people were born with all types of different types of desires. Some people may have been born with attraction towards the same sex. Some people are born and they don't they don't know how to deal with one person at a time. Some people are born and they don't they they have affections towards uh, minors or people that they shouldn't have affections towards. Some people are born and they don't know why they just got this taste for alcohol and they can't they and 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 all you know is that my my grandmama was an alcoholic, her daddy was an alcoholic, and now I have this propensity towards alcohol. I mean, whether it's addiction, whether it's lying, whatever it is, the fact of the matter is that all of us have a nature that we were born with that has to be confronted by the power of the cross where his light comes in and deals with the blindness of our own lives and self-perception to where now we're able to see ourselves how he sees us. And as we see ourselves how he sees us, it gives us the grace and the power to be transformed into that image. So this is something that I believe is very important within the church homosexuality in some churches is a very strong um, thing that we see it's a very strong culture and uh, Josh why do you believe it's so strong in some churches and not in others where do you think that that uh, that comes from all right this is where it gets real um, honestly speaking a lot of times when I see churches who have very strong homosexual cultures um, a lot of times you'll see it either one or two ways or one or two places. You're going to see it in the members very strongly, which attract others who deal with the same thing. Or you're going to see it in the leadership that then attracts it. It goes from the head down and begins to attract that same thing. And so a lot of times what happens is if a leader is down low, if a leader is gay, um, a lot of times those those same propensities, those same um, characteristics, mannerisms that you see see in your in the homosexual community being brought forth through on stage being brought out in the light they they look at that and they say oh he's just like me or she's just like me I can go here and be accepted and not be judged and so that's really and if I be honest um, the homosexual community is one that's just looking to be accepted that's their biggest thing they want 
people to love them for them. They want people to accept them for who they are, for what they like, for what they are. And so in that, then if I see this leader who's dealing with this, I see this church that um, seemingly accepts my community, I'm going to go there. And then when I go there, I'm not really looking to change. I'm just looking for acceptance. And so because we make it all about grace, 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 and we never require, there's, there's never a requirement put on our end that, yeah, there is grace for you, but that grace for you gives you the ability to change. That grace for you gives you the ability to do something that you weren't able to do in your own strength. So you couldn't change on your own, but grace is the thing that empowers you to do it through the through the power of Jesus Christ. And so what we see now is because everybody is just so accepting and because we don't want to offend and because we don't want people to feel like um, we're, we're coming at them or even to this point, because I deal with the same thing you deal with, I'm going to make this socially acceptable in my church. And so because this is socially acceptable, there is never, ever a requirement to be dealt with. There's never, ever a requirement to change. I think that's powerful. I've seen a lot of churches that can like if if, if 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 a gay person, a homosexual or lesbian, because I want to be clear when we're talking about homosexuality in the church, it's just not a male thing. And the fact of the matter is that most in most cases we deal with the gay male or homosexual male. But the fact of the matter is that there are just as many, if not more females who are who um, who are uh, um, enveloped engrossed in that lifestyle than men. The fact I mean, I mean, the reality is just that men typically wear it more than women in most cases. Uh, women are not always the butch. They're not always the one with the short hairstyle, with the earrings and, and the baggy pants. There's some very feminine women who are in the church, who are lesbian, who are bisexual. Uh, likewise with men. It's not always the one, um, you know, with, with, with feminine tendencies. Uh, there's some very masculine men in the church uh, who get away with it because it's not as obvious at the same time. So um, we have to understand that I'm just not talking about femininity within the church. I'm dealing with a homosexual culture uh, within the church. And uh, Josh says some some very, very good things, because what I've seen in many churches is uh, condemnation in the sense of you. If, if, if a homosexual or homosexuals come to the church, you, you have one or two extremes in, in most cases. One extreme is uh, you're very accepting and you invite them in and there's no real um, spirit there that provokes them to want to change. On the other token, if a homosexual comes or lesbian comes into the church, it's very condemning to where you start preaching, hey, God made Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. And, and you know, the homo, you know, you homos and you bull daggers and dykes. And then you got, you know, uh, the name calling and all that stuff, which also does not provoke them to want to change and honestly pushes them out of the church. So, Josh, even in your own personal experience, we've been walking together for a long time. Um have you ever felt me condemning you when you were in that lifestyle or when I was trying to um, when I was walking you uh, through that particular season? Um, did you have you ever felt condemnation from me or from other leaders? And uh, if so or if not, how did that affect you? How did that aid you or how did that cripple you? Um, from you, I've never felt uh, like condemnation or anything. And honestly, from other leaders, they could not tell. Um, so 
<laughs> there was really no requirement on that side of the spectrum, but on the side where we were actually walking together and things like that. I've never felt um, hatred like taught from you. I've never felt anger. I've never felt um, condemnation or like a, a just like a condescending attitude towards me. Um, it was always very loving, but at the same time, it was always pointing me back to truth. And so I think that's probably the part that a lot of people don't get. And then I'll say this even when it comes to having accountability just circling back there when it comes to having accountability most times we try to get accountability with people who struggle with the same thing mm -hmm. and it's not fruitful it's not going to be fruitful that way so for me it was a good thing that I had you know you in my life because you didn't deal with that you didn't you weren't that wasn't a struggle for you and so when me coming to you um, expressing things that I, that were going on expressing these things that I was getting myself into it was never one of those things where now I have to worry about my leader trying to sleep with me at the same time everybody else trying to sleep with me too and so I think that made it more comfortable for me um, as well and then just being able to have that place to kind of speak on those things um, it made it easier for me to it really was an aid because it made it easier for me to see that living in freedom could be a real thing because you used to tell me stories just just you know about your life and I'm like okay well if God brought him out of this stuff all these different things that he um, decided to do then I know for a fact I can come out of this and at the time it wasn't a lot of people um, I could look at to say, oh, God brought them out of this. I can do this too. And so I think that's one of the bigger problems that we're having too, is there are not a lot of real testimonies of people coming out of the lifestyle, God bringing them out and not only bringing them out, but them staying free. That's very, very good. I think you hit a, a, a very major point is that sometimes there are church leaders that are keeping the people that they lead bound. Uh, because they do struggle with the same thing that the people that they're trying to keep accountable, quote unquote, um, you know, they struggle with the, they're struggling with the same thing. So you got someone, uh, you know, and you tell them, I want to mentor you. But really, you know, they're becoming a victim. Um, that's a whole nother episode for a whole nother time. Um, but now, Josh, looking at you, looking at at, um, you know, the man that you've become. Um, you're a working man. Um, God has God has opened up many doors for you now ministerially. Um, you are now a husband. You're a father. Um, you know, you're a homeowner. God has done so many things with you and through you and seeing the maturity um, that has developed in your life over the span of time uh, and your yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, even when you didn't like it. Uh, yieldedness to your leaders, to Brittany and I, even when you didn't necessarily like it, um, it just really shows because of the fruit that you are now bearing. Um, the last thing that I want to deal with, because you are married, because you have a family now, one of the things that I've seen also in many churches, in some churches, is you have men who, who may have struggled or dealt with secretly or openly with homosexuality or women with lesbianism and they believe that getting married is going to heal that is going to is going to is going to um satisfy whatever that thirst or that lust is um take a minute or so and kind of talk to that and then we're going to wrap it up um does that work is that a reality that does not work um, <laughs> just very blatant and very clear that does not work because those desires will still be there. Um, and what, what, 
what you said was um, they get married to try to mask it. And that's literally all you're doing is trying to put a Band-Aid over an open bloody wound. And so a lot of times what you have to do is allow yourself to be processed, allow yourself to be healed, allow yourself to get whole. Because for me, um, when I was living in that lifestyle, um, when I was dating all these different people and things like that, I always in the back of my mind said, one day I'll get married, one day I'll have children. Um, but while I was living in that lifestyle, I had no desire to try to marry anybody because I knew for a fact what I wanted to do. And so it wasn't until I started started walking into freedom when I started having like these just encounters different type of encounters with God starting learning who God was learning who I was um, allowing myself to forgive people who hurt me allowing uh, myself to forgive myself for situations I put myself in because I think sometimes it's hard to fully come out of that lifestyle because we hold it against ourselves we hold ourselves hostages and so once you release that from yourself then you can start over with a, a new slate now I'm not gonna lie to you and say that this is going to be an easy journey, but I promise you it's possible. And so once I really got to that place where I said in my mind, like this life isn't for me, this lifestyle isn't for me. Um, I started really pushing towards that. And then, um, about, it's been over 10 years. So I want to say probably that last straw for me was in like 2015. I want to say 15 or 16. And then from that place, I kind of really started just pushing into trying to find myself in God. And then my then I found my wife and I wasn't even looking for her when I found her. So when I found her, um, we, we pushed forward with that. Um, we're married now, um, as Isaac said. And so I've seen God really do something in my life that Honestly, if you told me back in 2008, 2009, I would not have thought it possible because I felt like it was ne I was never going to come out of this because I felt like I was surely born this way. And then I found out that I could be born again and I found out that my life could be changed. And so that's where we are with it. So even with that, um, you can be born again. Your life can be changed. With that life change, the, is there also a desire change? Did you find your desires starting to change as well? Because some people say that I can not, you know, really what a lot of people look at it is, in, is as a suppression of desire. But do you find that your actual desires have changed over that span where you've been allowing God to transform you? My, my desires absolutely have changed. And again, I, like I said, I won't lie to you. I try to be transparent um, as I can be. Um, during, during that walk, there are times where temptation may come and knock on your door, but it's up to you to decide whether you're going to go down that path or not. And so for me, because I don't have a desire to be with a man, I don't have a desire to live with a man, sleep with a man, uh, any of those things, I don't have to worry about turning that way any longer because the, the taste for that Thing. And it's almost like as a child, um, when you give a kid something, they develop an appetite for it. And so if you never introduce them to that thing, they'll never have an appetite for it. And so what God did for me was, in fact, change my appetite. I no longer had an appetite for men. And I believe he can do the same thing for anyone else. I think that's very good. There you have it. Uh, listeners of Church Talk with Isaac, uh, this has been a phenomenal uh, interview. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't think it was long enough. We went a little over time that we typically do, um, but I love these conversations because whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, I hope you hear the hope um, in this particular episode 
And even if you're not the one who struggle with homosexuality, this should give you hope that whatever it is that you may be struggling with, whatever it is that you may um, um, be battling in your own flesh, there's hope that there can be a nature change, that God can literally take the taste out of your mouth and, and give you an appetite change. Uh, and you can truly walk in wholeness and freedom. So listen, thank you all for tuning in to Church Talk with Isaac. Again, this is Isaac Watson um, with my guest, uh, Joshua Flewellen. Uh, and uh, I pray you all have a great day. Be sure to share this. Let someone you know that needs to hear this, hear this. And uh, love you all. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Church Talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.